Well, this morning, uh, I have a little bit of an announcement for you that I did not warn my good friend and roommate about. Um, this week, I got the wonderful pleasure of having some conversations with Elizabeth, and um, she is going right into her master's degree of counseling right now. She starts tomorrow? Tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And this is a calling that the Lord has been orchestrating and putting on her life for a very long time. And so we got to have the wonderful conversation about how she's not superwoman, um, as some of us may have thought. Um, you know, one person specifically might have thought. Um, and so uh, next month, this month of September, we're going to give her some time to adjust to that master's program. <laughs> uh, we're going to give her some time to get in the rhythm of doing homework at a master's level and pursuing her God-given call. And so during the month of September, you're probably not going to see her up on stage, but you will see her in the seats. <laughs> and with the intent in October that we're just going to kick her right back into gear um, and get her going again. And so I want to spend some time just as a family raising her up as she pursues this, um, because this is, this is not a, a thing that Elizabeth would say, man, I just naturally want to be a counselor. But no, this is a God-given thing, and she's pursuing a calling. Um, and I want to treat it just like that, just like any other missionary. So if I could have a couple of people come and lay hands on her as we pray for her this morning um, and send her into this time of, of calling and anointing. Lord, we are so stinking blessed that you have blessed us with Elizabeth. Lord, we are so blessed that you have her to lead us into your presence every single Sunday. God, you have uh, anointed her, Lord, in ways that sometimes she may not even realize. God, I think of so many Sundays where she has sang something that you have spoken directly into my heart. Lord, and I thank you so much for that. Lord, can we be a church that surrounds her during this time? Lord, that, that gives her some grace this next month and asks her how she's doing, Lord, that empowers her and encourages her to seek this calling, Lord. God, and can we be family during this time, Lord, that she's able to come to us and confide in us, Lord. God, for this next, next month where she's going to be twitching because she wants to get on stage and lead your worship, Lord, I pray that you'd give her peace and comfort. Lord, that you'd empower her team uh, to lead boldly through that. God, and that on the other side of this, we would just be able to celebrate that she is walking into the calling that you've given her. Lord, we love you so much, and we're excited for her to come back on October 1, and we will be counting down the days, but Lord, we trust you with this month. Lord, and we trust you with your ability to build in her discipline to get her through this season. God, to uh, build in her wisdom to be a wonderful counselor that exalts your name. Lord Jesus, and we trust you with her calling. Lord, it's in, in that name, the name above all names, in Jesus Christ, that we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. <laughs> she just whispered at me, you're in trouble. <laughs> Crud, she knows where I sleep. That's not good. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm excited to dive into a new sermon series with y'all. Uh, and I have a couple questions to start off this morning's sermon series, which actually is funny that we had to 
pray over you about school with the questions that I'm going to ask you. Uh, have you ever done something really dumb? <laughs> I got like, <laughs> some people are like, preach it, sister, preach it, and I haven't even gotten in here. Uh, have you ever, I don't know, you know, walked into a room where you had absolute determination to get something done, and then you get there, and you have no clue why you walked into the room, yeah? Uh, have you ever uh, made a detailed shopping list of all the things you need at the store? And then you get to the store without the shopping list. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, have you ever gotten so mad at your car that despite how holy you are, you kicked it? Right? <laughs> yeah, have you ever put something on the roof of your car and then driven away? <laughs> Some of us are like, I know that one a little too personally, okay? Uh, maybe, have you ever, I don't know, uh, cut up a jalapeno? and then rubbed your eyes, you know? <laughs> have you ever forgotten something? Have you ever just had a moment where you're like, how do I function as a human being on a normal daily basis, you know? Uh, I had one of those moments recently. I went home to visit my family in South Dakota, and I went swimming with my niece, who is nine years old, and my sister, who is seven years older than me, and uh, we went swimming, and I packed a Walmart sack full of dry clothes and stuff for me to wear on the way home. Makes sense. And it's a Walmart sack. It's waterproof, you know, relatively. And we go into this family bathroom afterwards to get changed and get dried off and head home. And I set my Walmart sack in the sink of the pool, of this bathroom. And I walk away, and I turn around, and the automatic faucet is filling up the bag with water. Like, that was just a dumb move, and my nine-year-old niece has not let it go, okay? Um, she, in fact, when we got home, she said, careful of the bathroom faucet, Lindsay. She's a little stinker, but, but we all do stupid things sometimes, and it's okay. Like, we can just admit it, you know? Hi, my name is Lindsay, and I do some dumb things, right? You know? And those are just funny things, but we also do some pretty unfunny stupid things, don't we? You know, have you ever called yourself a Christian to somebody and then acted not like Christ afterwards? You know, have you ever, I don't know, been in a relationship and lied to that person? Have you ever lost a loved one? You know, not necessarily in death, but maybe just in life because of the things that you, you said or you did. You know, if we're honest with each other, all of us have made some pretty dumb decisions. And so we are going to enter into this series called Wisdom, <laughs> um, looking at the book of Proverbs. And our God is a God of miracles, but you're still probably going to do some dumb things, okay? But what if we could change that ratio? What if we could rely on the wisdom of God and become wiser decision makers of the gospel and of our lives? So that's my goal for this. And uh, before we head into it, I want to say that we're, we have 31 chapters in Proverbs. Now, if last week you said with all your heart, I am going to get into the word again, this would be a wonderful opportunity to do that. And so I'm going to challenge you. There's 31 chapters. We are about to start September. And through the month of September, I'm going to challenge you to read a chapter a day of Proverbs. They are pretty short. They are very pointed. There's a lot of stuff in one chapter. 
and just start there. And if you need an accountability partner, you know, maybe look to the person next to you and give them one of these, uh, you know, or you can ask, ask me or Pastor Kurt, and we'd love to do that. Anyway, but uh, I want to start this series, and I, I like to start series with prayer. So let's pray together that God would bless and anoint this, this service and this series. Lord, we admit that there are things that we do, and maybe even repeatedly do, that just don't look like you. Lord, there's ways that we have messed up. Lord, there's ways that we still mess up. God, but we want to be wiser. We want to make decisions that are of your wisdom, not out of the world's wisdom. Lord, and we ultimately want to look more like Jesus every single day that we're doing it. God, I pray that you would bless this series. God, we lay it at your feet and we ask that you would move through it and only you. God, I pray that you would empower people to take on the reading challenge, God, and to stick with it. Uh, Lord, even when it's maybe boring or hard to do, Lord, that they would stick with it. God, I pray that you would find accountability partners for every single person that needs it. Lord, and as we walk through the book of Proverbs, that we would be uh, formed wiser people because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little background on Proverbs. Proverbs is written mostly by King Solomon, who what the Bible says is the most wisest person to ever walk on the face of the earth. Now, the book of Proverbs is really difficult to have a sermon series on because every single verse is almost a different topic. Um, I was reading a commentary this week, and look what it said. It said, the major collection of Proverbs that follow range widely across the broad spectrum of human situations, relationships, and responsibilities, offering insights, warnings, instructions, counsel, with frequent motivations to heed them. The range and variety of these defy summation. <laughs> to put it plainly, Proverbs is a grab bag of wisdom. Everything from relationships to crisis uh, to walking through scripture itself is in Proverbs. And so it's difficult to unpack Proverbs and not feel like you're neglecting some really important parts. Uh, I compare Proverbs to parenting uh, parenting, like how many parents do I have in the room? I know I have a lot. Yeah, parents, y'all are a grab bag of wisdom, aren't you? Um, and it took a couple years for me to figure that, out, that my parents were a grab bag of wisdom, so if you're still in the place where they don't know, it's coming. But, but dad's like, look at a dad. He has to know why the car is making that noise over the phone, like from 500 miles away, you know? But he also has to know the complexities of teenage self-esteem. Uh, let me show you what I mean. My dad, when I was a middle schooler, I got one of my favorite, not favorite, first epic zits of my life. It was right in the center of my forehead, and it was the size of Pikes Peak, okay? And my dad, I remember, he picked me up from school, and he said, how you doing, unicorn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're like, she makes a little more sense. Um, but, but my mom had to lovingly explain to my dad why that was inappropriate to do, right? Um, my mom, she was a total grab bag of wisdom. And moms, you get this. You have to know what's missing from the cookie dough that they're making. But you also have to know and be able to diagnose an illness from like miles away. I remember the first time I got sick when I was in college. <laughs> 
I got like some, na- it, it was a minor cold, but I was just stressed because I had never gotten sick without my mom. And I remember I was walking to school and I'm congested, my throat hurts, a headache, an ache, I have a fever, and I was like, Mom, I'm just sick and I have tests today and I just need to know that you love me. <laughs> and, and my mom's like, why would that change anything? But, but she knew exactly what to say to me. And Proverbs, like parenting, is just a grab bag of wisdom. Uh, It's everything uh, from wisdom that applies to your life, every aspect of it, Proverbs kind of has. And the good thing about Proverbs is that right at the very beginning of it, he actually tells you what the purpose of Proverbs is. Fair enough? This is like a how-to Proverbs for dummies, you know? Uh, So chapter 1, we're going to look at today, starting in verse 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, meaning the Proverbs' purpose, is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young, Let the wise listen to those Proverbs and become even wiser. And let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables. The words of the wise and their riddles. Check this. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. And this this book is written from a father's heart that has seen his people go through some pretty dumb things. And it's him saying, my child, let me give you some wisdom. I think of it like if you could write a book of wisdom for your child that would carry them from here until eternity. That's kind of the book of of Proverbs is. So what I want to do during our time together is unpack this chunk of scripture with hopes that it gives us some context for our conversations over the next five weeks. And I would call Uh, this sermon series, Ground Rules on How to Be Smarter. Fair enough? And I only got two of them. So so the first one we find in verse verse 5, it says, Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. And the first step, the first ground rule is this. You have to admit you don't you don't know everything, which is difficult for some of us, isn't it? (laughs) Wow, I was not expecting such a physical reaction, but, but, but it's difficult for us, isn't it? Like, it's difficult for us to admit we don't know everything. Isaac Asimov, he's put it this way, he said, uh, those people who think they know everything are a great annoyance to those of us who do, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, and this is, all of us kind of resonate with that, because wouldn't the world be a better place if everybody listened to us, you know? Uh, but we have to admit that that we don't know everything. And in case you thought, and maybe still think that you know everything, I have a couple facts that will prove that you don't. Fair enough? Uh, First one is that, did you know it is possible to lead a cow upstairs, but not downstairs? Did you know that? You knew that? Oh, of course you did. All right, let's check it. Um, A duck's quack doesn't echo, and nobody knows why. 
Did you know that? Oh, here we go. All right. Donkeys kill more people annually than plane crashes and shark attacks combined. The article said, so watch your butt, which I thought was funny. Um, and this one's my favorite, so I saved it for last. Australian white-throated snapping turtles get 70% of its oxygen through its colloquial bursi, which is a long scientific word for bootay, <laughs> okay? There is a turtle out there that breathes through its butt, okay? And some of you guys have met some people that maybe <laughs> are breathing through their colloquial bursi, okay? That's neither here nor there, but, but we have to first admit that, gosh, we don't have it all together. We don't know everything. We're not God, and that's that's difficult. And actually, one of the most famous people that thought he knew everything in Scripture is Moses. Uh, we all know and love him. You know, he was the guy that let my people go, and he, he got people out of Israel, out of slavery and bondage, and he led them through the desert. But did you know, Moses never actually was able to go into the promised land. He was never actually able to go in and physically be in the promised land. Now, you'd say, that's pretty harsh, God. But you want to know why? Because he thought he knew everything. Uh, our story today starts in Exodus chapter 17. And in this, in this part of scripture, we find the Israelites going out into the desert, and they have not a drop of water. Now, this is not a place you want to be at when you're in the desert or in life in general. And so the Israelites, they get really upset with Moses. And they say, you idiot, why did you lead us out here? We're going to stone you to death. Check out what happens. It says, then he and Aaron summoned the people to come gather at the rock. Wait, sorry, I got ahead of myself. Dumb moments sermon illustration in and of itself. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock and water will come from it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. So let's set this scene. Desert, no water, big rock. And God says to Moses, take that staff, the one that he put into the Nile to spread it across so that people could walk in through it, take that staff and hit it, and it will produce water. And so Moses, like this is a really cool party trick, let me tell you what. If God told me to hit a, hit a rock and it would have water, I'd do it in a second. And so what he does is that he hits the rock and water comes gushing out of it. Enough for the thousands of Israelites that are there. Pretty powerful stuff. Then we fast forward about 260 miles later. To put that in perspective for you, that's as maybe if you and I, we all decided that we're going to camp and walk to Santa Fe, New Mexico, just for fun. Um, or with God's divine purpose, and we walk there, and 260 miles later, the same thing happens. They look around, and they see no water anywhere. Check this out in Numbers 20. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff 
and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community. So this is pretty straightforward. He says, speak to this rock over here. Take your staff, but lean down and just talk to it, and it will flow water. Let's see what happens next. Verse 10. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come together at the rock. So far, so good. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? And then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with its staff, and water gushed out of it. So the entire community and their livestock drank their full. Now, was that what God told him to do? Absolutely not. Uh, It's probably a little embarrassing going in front of the people and whispering into a rock like a crazy person, okay? Give him a little credit. But he goes to the rock and he says, you rebels, like you people that don't like God, must we provide water again? Notice that. Must I really do this again? Must I have to take this into my own hands again? Didn't we already do this before? Why don't you trust me? Why am I having to do this again? And I would say that, listen here, this, we do this in our lives too. We get to a place where it is frustrating to follow what God has told us to do. We get to a place where we think that we have to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and just get it done. Single folks, I'm looking at you. God has told you the beauty of marriage in his image. He has told you to wait. He has made promises to you. But we get frustrated, and we get impatient, and we don't want to whisper into the rock. And we say, I'm just going to take it into my own hands. Folks that are struggling with their finances, God told you to trust him with your first 10%, and that he will be trusted with the other 90. We don't want to whisper into the rock, but we have to. This lie is at the beginning of every addiction. That if I can just get on the other side of one more hit or of one more night, I will have it under control. And I will have fixed my context. See, we don't want to whisper into the rock. We get frustrated at the the promises and the challenges of God. And you want to know what happened to Moses? Verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Which leads to the takeaway of this truth. Wisdom starts with humility. Any, anything, any wisdom, it starts with humility. Um, you can ask Elizabeth, She did not sign up for a master's program because she knows everything, you know? Uh, We do not go to cooking classes when we know how to cook. We don't go to the DMV just for fun, you know? Wisdom starts with humility. It starts with admitting that, in fact, I am not God. In fact, I don't have everything together. With admitting that, man, I don't have it all down. And if we cannot get this right, Pride will keep you from your greatest accomplishments. Pride will keep you 
from your promised land. I have a picture for you uh, this morning of what a view from Mount Nebo actually is, I think. Okay. Um, so I want you to imagine with me, if you are sitting on Pikes Peak, has anybody ever gone to the top of Pikes Peak? Okay. So you know what it looks like. There's this huge expanse that you can see. Uh, you can see the reservoirs. You can see people. Uh, you can see foothills. You can see all of this farther than your eye can ever dream to see from that peak, can't you? Now, I want you to imagine that you are standing on Pikes Peak and you are looking over the expanse. This is what happened when Moses climbed the Mount Nebo at the end of his life. And I'm not going to have this scripture up on the screen because I want you to imagine what it would be like to be sitting on this mountain, looking at the expanse, looking at the foothills, the, sea, the Dead Sea is just to your left, looking at the, the mountains in the distance, looking at as far a sky that you can possibly see. And this is what happens. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed the peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, from Galilee as far as Dan, all of the land, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. And then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes. But you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. Now, when you look out to your promised land, when you see the potential of your life, when you look out so many years from now at the adventure stories that you're going to tell your grandkids, what do you see? Because the one thing that will keep us from seeing this as a reality is pride, is the inability to trust God with it. That's where Moses' fault was. He, he died an old, tired, overworked man looking into a promised land he never got to touch. Pride will keep you from your greatest accomplishments. A scripture says that with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Proverbs gives us this promise in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. But we will never get to our promised land by pretending that we have it all together. Now that's the first ground rule of becoming smarter. You just got to admit, hello, my name is Lindsay, I'm not God. So if you want to turn to your neighbor, just tell them, you're not God, it's okay, we all can do it, let's do it together, I'm not God. And if you're not doing it, hmm. <laughs> the second one is find joy in discipline. 
find joy in discipline. And some of you guys are like, thank God he finally said it. Okay, anyway, verse 2, it says, Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. The Proverbs, their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. And the Greek word here for discipline is chastise, reproof, give instruction, restraint, correction, and rebuke. I don't know, this might just be me, but the more somebody tells me I gotta do something, the less I want to do it, right? Anybody else here? Like, the more somebody tells me that I got to do something, the less I want to do it. I actually have an example of this. There was a woman who was in London, and she works in an office, and her boss was sick of the stapler going missing. And so he put a sticker on it that said, floor four, do not remove, which she saw it as her personal life challenge, okay? And so I have a picture for you of what this looks like. This is floor four, do not remove, in Disney World in Florida. Did I mention to you that she was from London? Okay. Um, I have another picture for you. Uh, this one is the Ritz, <laughs> where she says floor four, do not remove. This next one, uh, yeah, this is the Empire State Building <laughs> with the stapler. And I think I have one more. Oh, this one is the Red Sox fan uh, at a game, floor four, do not remove. And one more. <laughs> <laughs> this one, she is punting, a punting trip in Cambridge. <laughs> now, how many of you could see yourself doing something like this, <laughs> right? Like, tell me what to do one more time, buddy. <laughs> uh, and the truth is, is that we hate being told what to do. And that's partly why we neglect scripture. We talked about that last week. Because largely, it tells us what to do. It tells us how we shouldn't live life, and how we should at every single turn. And we neglect it because, man, it's kind of frustrating. And if you've known Jesus for like 30 seconds, and you are being disciplined by him, you know that growing is not always a fun experience. Uh, we just finished a series about all the ways that the Lord wants you to challenge you and to discipline you. Getting healthy, not a super fun experience, you know? Leaving a toxic environment, not a fun experience. You know, uh, leaving the security and the comfort of currently where you're at is in it and of itself insecure and uncomfortable. And we don't want to do it. And, and we have to find a place in our lives where, where we love this process. Because the reality is, is that this process is proof that God loves you so much. Do you know that? Uh, the reason that he disciplines you is because he loves you. Proverbs is written like a parent. The reason that you discipline your child is so that they don't turn out like a brat long term. <laughs> and Jesus does the same thing. Hebrews 12, verse 5, it says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one that he accepts as his child. And as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Meaning that even though this discipline sucks, he does it because he loves you. 
He does it because he treasures you. He does it because he sees a future in you. I want to invite the worship team up. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of who God is, is that he loves you so much that he would not like to leave you where you are. Imagine if you grew up with no realm of discipline. Imagine if you grew up and when the snacks ran out, you still threw a tantrum. You know, imagine if you grew up with no discipline in your life. Imagine looking back on the last 12 years of your life and saying, I have stayed the exact same. None of us want to be those people. And the truth is, is that God, he disciplines us because he loves us. This quote from Dallas Willard, it is wrecking my world. He says, it is the responsibility of every Christ-centered follower to carve out a satisfying life under the loving rule of God, or else sin will start to look good. You want to know why changes don't stick? It's because we're not finding joy in the process. You know, when, when the Lord releases you from, from sin and from darkness, we don't just sit and celebrate. We replace it with the good things that he's promised. We replace it with following his, following his calling, with pursuing his truth, with doing the works of his hand. We have to find joy in this process or else sin, it will continue to look incredibly tempting. When he takes away those things, when he replaces those things, we have to let him do it. Because he's teaching us a lesson that only a father can teach us. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It is frustrating and it is humiliating to go through what you're going through. Uh, There comes a point in every single conversation that I have when I get to pastorally counsel somebody where they say, I don't really want to talk about this or don't judge me, but But the reality is, is that once we do and once we submit that, once we admit that that's not working for us, once we commit to find joy in the process, on the other side is freedom. On the other side is a life that is successful, a life that is wiser for it. And so maybe this morning you need to admit some things before God. Maybe this morning you need to uh, commit that you're going to enjoy the process. So I want to invite you to take a posture of prayer with me right now, whether that means bowing your heads in in the seats, whether it means kneeling where you're at or coming up to the altar. But I just want to lead you guys in in a time of prayer. Lord, for so long I have I have thought and pretended like I have my life all together. God, whether it's because I was trying to defend myself or defend others, Lord, I have fallen for this lie that I have to take my life into my own hands. God, but I want to follow you closely. Lord, I want your wisdom to chart my course. So, Lord, I want to commit my life to you. I want to lay it at your feet. God, I want to acknowledge that I am not you, that you are so much bigger, so much better, 
and so much wiser than I'll ever be. God, you know the steps that are laying ahead of me. God, you know the the situations that I'm facing. God, in all of those situations, I want them to be met with your wisdom. Lord Jesus, would you walk into this with me? God, and would I surrender my life to you? Lord, for some of us, we are in the midst of discipline, and it hurts. God, it's painful. It's frustrating. Lord, at times, we doubt if we're even getting anywhere. But God, I pray for those folks in the center of that, who are truly in the center of your will right now. Lord, I pray that that you would show them a life that is satisfying, to carve out a space where they are happy and joyful. Lord, and they they are empowered by this process, not beat down by it. God, we want to be wiser vessels of your truth. Lord Jesus, I pray with all that we are and all that we could be, God, that you would form the path, that we would set our eyes on you, that we would not rely on our own understanding, Lord, and as your word says, that you will make our paths straight. Jesus, we love you so much, and it's in your name. Amen. Please stand and worship with me.